Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. That week one matchup at Tennessee. Yeah, that game just got a whole lot more interesting with the Titans trading for Julio Jones over the weekend. This week, mandatory minicamp. What do we want to see and or hear from the players and coaches before they depart for the summer? We've got our list. But first, the importance of relationship building in the offseason. It's Cardinals Covered 2, episode 429, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So some advice to start the show here. If you say you're going to do something, make sure you follow through, especially if the person you're speaking to is J.J. Watt. You catch this over the weekend, MJ. Saturday morning, Watt tweeted, 6.20 tea time this morning with the rookie Zayvon Collins. Yesterday, we were leaving practice. He said, I'm going to pick up breakfast on the way. What do you want? I said, I like that. Thank you. And told him my order. Today, he shows up with no breakfast. What's the punishment? You can't have that happen, MJ. If you say you're going to do something, especially if you're a rookie, how do you show up without breakfast? Well, a huge mistake, and uh, I'm glad he put him on blast. And, you know, as a rookie, and I know he's a first-round pick, sometimes you're better off being seen, not heard. Now, it's a great gesture as you're walking off the field. He's thinking, we got breakfast covered. And then all of a sudden, you know, Hopkins is chiming in, Kyler Murray's, and we'll get into some of the details, what he, his uh, punishment was. Um, I don't think that's over, though. But J.J. Watt is a guy that's um, – one thing I want to say about J.J. Watt, have you uh, – let's go back a couple of years. How many players have the Cardinals brought in that have embedded the community this fast than J.J. Watt? Now, I'll say Chris Paul, he's done it on the court. yes. I don't within the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know of any player off the top of my head that, without even playing a single game, has really decided to call Arizona, call the Valley his home. Even though still Houston, he is still beloved there. He will still always maintain a residence there. But to your point, yes, he is. As he said when he joined the Arizona Cardinals on day one and even recently after the first OTA speaking to the media that he is jumping feet first quote all in to this Arizona community it's impressive we knew he was a leader from a distance we know how you know figure uh, how physical he can be on the football field but just the person I mean besides him going to some of the the different games whether it's the, the Coyotes or Diamondbacks or Mercury games I mean it's just Maybe when the Cardinals made the trade for Chandler Jones, but their personalities, I just can't recall somebody that's embedded the community without playing a single snap yet. Yeah, no one has seen J.J. Watt on the football field. No fan has seen J.J. Watt on the football field wearing an Arizona Cardinals uniform. Now we've seen highlights, clips, videos, but this is all practice here in the offseason. It's not going to be until week one, week two really, at State Farm Stadium against the Minnesota Vikings. But let's go back to that tweet that literally, as they say, went viral. What's the punishment? Well, there were suggestions. You mentioned one. Kyler Murray responded, quote, Roll him down the fairway, <laughs> which I thought was a little odd. You know, you think 
punishment, you know, maybe you're going to wash my car or I got to do something for you, take my dry cleaning. But rolled down the fairway is exactly what happened. <laughs> Zayvon Collins rolled down the fairway. The video is hilarious. Just go to J.J. Watt's Twitter account. And I think in that video, I think I heard Vance Joseph in the background, his voice. So this might have been, I don't know if there was a foursome out there, but perhaps there were at least one other person. I think it was Coach Joseph. But the video had 100,000 views within two hours. I checked earlier this morning. It's over 244,000 views. And then on that video, Watt is, tweets out, a good sport making up for forgetting breakfast. Good on you, at Zaven Collins. So the punishments, and again, it is hysterical because as you hear Collins speak, it's getting closer and closer. And then because it's early in the morning, the grass hasn't completely dried. So he's in these nice <laughs> golf clothes and he's getting wet and it's a little muddy. So, yeah, a fun time had by all. And even DeAndre Hopkins saw this and chimed in, hey, quote, drop me off some breakfast after he dropped y'all's off. Watt responded, text me your breakfast order. He'll have it there after he drops mine off. Zaven came through, Bird Gang. Watt, later on that afternoon, in fact, it was a little bit earlier in the afternoon, tweeted out a picture of Zaven Collins walking up to the Watt household to complete the circle. Breakfast has finally arrived. We got a good one, AZ. Appreciate you at Zaven Collins. End of tweets and end of, at least for a couple of hours there, a lot of fun. I mean, I haven't tried to get involved because at that point, I wanted to know who won the golf game. <laughs> you know, who had the better action as far as on the course? Who had the better 18 holes? I don't know that who won, quote unquote. But yeah, I think, again, it was in a lot of fun. And I do think it speaks to, one, to your point, how J.J. Watt has immersed himself very quickly in this community. And then... Getting to know your teammates. What did we hear from Watt last week as well? Building relationships, and that's the importance here of the offseason. Yes, the on-field work is important, especially for young players. But when you're a newcomer and you're a veteran and you want to be successful come the regular season, this right now is building relationships, building team chemistry, offensive line, defensive line. And I do think it speaks volumes. Now, I don't know if... If Zayvon Collins didn't know how to play golf, maybe there wouldn't have been this golf outing or they would have found something else to kind of get to know each other off the practice field. But the fact is that Zayvon Collins is a big golf guy, so he came to the perfect place to play golf, and J.J. Watt plays golf. And now all of a sudden guys are getting to know each other, and whether that means much in the regular season, I don't know. I haven't played the game, MJ, but I do got to think that if I know you individually more as a person – I'm going to kind of know a little bit more about you, get to know you, and I do think it helps a little bit come the regular season, especially when times get hard, whether during the course of a game or during the course of the season, you can go back to those relationships and figure out, all right, how do we get through this together? Yeah, we know that the relationships take place when you're at the facility, when you're practicing, when you're in meetings, but it's the relationships off the field. And the fact that, you know, J.J. Watt is, is is the leader on defense, obviously the face of the defense for the future is good for me is Buda Baker. But, the, you know, listen, I'm sure a lot of guys, um, you know, golf on the weekend, considering it's Arizona, maybe you get out there early at tea time. But can you imagine if they didn't tweet anything out? We wouldn't be talking about this. And, and that's the good thing about social media where it's not always people trolling and being negative. So that's one thing I like about this. But – 
you know, he he kind of called him out, but I think it was in tongue in cheek. Hey, you're a rookie. You told me something, and there's accountability here, whether it's on the fo- football field or at the golf course or just your communication to me. So I like that, but I do think you know usually, and they couldn't do it probably last year. You know, different position groups will maybe you know get the midseason. They'll have dinner together, and it's just a camaraderie away from the facility. And listen, they spend so much time together. Of course, a lot of these guys have families, so they go home and spend time with their families. But you could see this team is getting closer as as uh, as as a whole, and I think it's because they brought in good character guys and guys that want to be here. There are consequences for your actions, or in this case, your inaction, the inability <laughs> to bring breakfast, but that accountability, it does happen during the course of a game, during the course of a season. If you're not doing your job, if you're not doing your assignment, then all of a sudden that's going to cost you playing time. Now I know it's, look, it's he forgot breakfast, but I guarantee you, he will never forget breakfast again, talking about Zayvon Collins, and this something that will never happen as far as you're a rookie, you're asked to do something, or you offered to do something, the rookie duties, if you will. We see it on Fridays. Players, those young players, bringing food to the team playing or into the locker room on Fridays. It's just what is expected. It's always been done, and it is a good way to get to know each other. Well, a couple things. you know. Sometimes these guys forget. And you don't want to be late to a meeting, especially a team meeting. So all of a sudden, you know, I forgot. That's the worst thing you could say. You say, my bad. I was in a hurry. I got here. But, yeah, it's just one of those things where I remember the story when um, Zach Walls, uh, he didn't show up with food, and they taped him to the goalpost. <laughs> and there was one player that went out there and was able to take uh, get some scissors and, and uh, remove from the post, uh, goal, Pat Tillman. And Pat wasn't afraid walking into that locker room with those veteran guys saying he made a mistake, but yeah, you guys want to have fun with them, and they were dousing them with water, but they taped them to the goalpost. So if you're a rookie and you're asked to bring food, you better bring it. Yeah, you can't do certain things like that anymore, but the aspects right. of food and, again, maybe getting your car washed or just you know having some fun yet at the same time making sure that it's all in good fun and it doesn't become personal. Well, I don't know how much breakfast costs. Let's <laughs> say it's cost you know, $35, $40. Bucks. You probably got some you know good breakfast. But there are times when they'll go out to dinner and at the end of the night, the rookies paying the entire bill. Yes. So that was a that was a cheap day compared to eight ten grand for dinner. And some guys, when you know somebody else is paying, they want a doggy bag to go home with food. <laughs> I am curious though if maybe Zaven did get the last laugh and did walk off that 18th with bragging rights as far as the better golf game. That's that's what I'm really curious about now. Yeah, that that's to me in the back of my mind. But did you see him rolling? I'm I'm thinking, is he going to be able to, like? Is he going to break here? Because you know this is a physical guy. He talks about you know uh, you know he wasn't highly recruited. He's always got a chip on his shoulder, and you don't want to break. I he just kept rolling, rolling, and rolling and rolling. And I'm like, is he going to stop? Because that would not look good. Well, Watt did have his back. He stopped and said, "Hey, be careful getting onto your feet because I mean, you can get dizzy, and then all of a sudden yeah. you fall down." So yeah, it was. Again, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, I strongly recommend it. JJ Watt's official Twitter account, over two hundred and forty-four thousand views of he and the rookie and this is a 10-year veteran going into his 11th season J.J. Watt and Zayvon Collins who hasn't stepped foot on a football field hasn't even played a game and it's good to see those two on 
the golf course together getting to know and getting to know each other as far as the human beings as opposed to just the football player. As we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, single game tickets are on sale season just right around the corner. azcardinals.com slash game ticks. That's azcardinals.com slash game T-I-X. All right, last week was OTAs. This week is minicamp, mandatory minicamp. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, Bergang, depending on when you might catch this episode of Cardinals Cover 2. But it is three more days of work on the field before basically saying goodbye until training camp. OTAs, voluntary. Minicamp, mandatory. And you and I were kind of discussing this and how to – like. It's, uh, preview I guess if you will we'll do some other shows during the course of the week about what we see and what we hear but how about now we kind of go back and forth and discuss what we hope to see what we hope to hear because I do think in addition to head coach Cliff Kingsbury we hope to hear from defensive coordinator Vance Joseph I don't know about any other coaches and we will hear from players as well my guess is Kyler Murray will speak at some point this week at least that is my hope that we hear from the Cardinals starting quarterback but as far as what number one thing these three days and there is media access all three days last week we just had the one day of access but three days of mandatory minicamp, what is the number one thing you hope to see or you hope to hear? Chandler Jones. And the reason why is because we know he's been working out the facilities. Now, he wasn't here last week. It was voluntary. You know, he's coming off a torn bicep that happened. Um, basically, it was announced on uh, October 14th of last year. And I did a little research before the show. Usually, if it's mild and you don't need surgery, you can come back, you know, maybe eight to ten weeks. But if he had surgery, it could take months. So, the, the, again, I don't know. He probably had the surgery sometime in October. And the fact that he's under contract, coming off an injury, and you, you wonder it, at some point does the organization want to extend him. So my Chandler Jones is a big part of what they want to do. And he helped recruit J.J. Watt. So I don't think he's going anywhere. Matter of fact, he's not going anywhere. And the fact is, you know, what do you do – very similar to Clayus Campbell. You know, Clayus Campbell was 31 and he wanted to get paid. And, you know, obviously Chandler Jones has been one of the best edge passers in the NFL. It's not an ACL, it's not an Achilles injury. So it's a bicep injury, which, you know, pass rusher that you got to have that because, you know, obviously you're stretching your arms out. So, again, uh, if he's not here, I guess we'll, we'll approach that as possibly that, you know, something else is going on. But I, I would think that, you know, Chandler Jones based on, you know, what he can do for this defense. And, and, again, if he just comes here and stands around, I'm fine. I don't know the rehab, where he's at in his rehab. I mean, again, it takes months versus 8 to 10 weeks. If you don't have surgery, the the, the rehab is a lot, uh, a lot shorter than when you have surgery. And he had surgery, so I'm just curious to see. Again, I don't need to see him. Um, I think last year he came in a little heavy in the training camp, so conditioning would be an issue. But, again, he can do everything with his lower extremities, and running and everything else, so that shouldn't be an issue. Be seen, much like we saw Dennis Gardeck during OTAs. I mean, he's not cleared after suffering an ACL injury late in the season, but he was visible to us in the media. So I had the same thing as you did, although I grouped Chandler Jones, Jordan Hicks, and A.J. Green all together. Those were the three notable players that were missing from OTAs. Now, there are... 
again, that was one day that we got to see. Did they show up? And I'm including Chandler Jones in this. Did they show up the next day? Did they show up on Friday? We don't know. It's just that 20-minute window that we were allowed to watch. There was no Chandler Jones, no Jordan Hicks, and no A.J. Green. And according to Kingsbury, all three of those guys, um, they they were aware they weren't going to be here. I don't know about Hicks. Again, you know, it's a situation where you don't want him to get hurt. Um, you don't want him. He's not going to be a distraction. He's a great leader. Uh, I anticipate Adrian Green had something going on, and that could have been before he signed here. You know, sometimes there's weddings, there's family events, so uh, I anticipate him being here. Um, but again, Hicks, that's kind of a touchy situation. Uh, he, again, he's a great uh, person and leader, and I don't think you want to have him standing on the sidelines. Um, so there could be an agreement there, but for, for everyone else, they, they're expected to be here. Well, remember the story or the report about Jordan Hicks. The team has given him permission to seek a trade based off the fact that, well, Stephen Collins was drafted and he was asked to take a pay cut. And there, there's something else to this picture, this puzzle that we're missing, and we've chronicled it in depth here on Cardinals Cover 2. No need to get into it now, but I'm going to go back to what Coach Kingsbury said on May 14th when Hicks was the topic of conversation. Quote, he knows how we feel about him. One of the most respected players on our team has been a great leader here and just kind of leave it at that. End quote. So yeah, there is that elephant in the room with respects to Hick. A.J. Green, again, was he here that Thursday, that Friday? Don't know. I'll say this, he has been working out with Kyler Murray. There was that Instagram video that he and Murray posted of them working out in Dallas. So that is good to see because when you're a new guy, I don't care how many years you've played in this league, and A.J. Green is a veteran, you do need to work on that chemistry with the quarterback. If we anticipate A.J. Green to be that number two wide out and see a lot of passes thrown his way and maybe get some single coverage because all the attention is on the other side of the field on DeAndre Hopkins. Now all of a sudden, A.J. Green becomes a huge part of this offense. He is not that guy that gets double teamed like he was with Cincinnati. So A.J. Green is a big one. And then backtracking to Chandler Jones, again, a contract year, is that it? Don't know. There are not a lot of players entering contract years this season without looking at those players who signed one-year deals this offseason. Chase Edmonds is in a contract year. Christian Kirk is in a contract year. Max Williams is in a contract year. And I'm not, and I know that, you know, Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson as well. But as far as Edmonds, Kirk, and Williams, could those players be extended? Sure. It wouldn't surprise me if Chase Edmonds gets extended during training camp. We saw it a year ago with Buda Baker. DeAndre Hopkins got extended during training camp. But I don't think those three players, and specifically as far as, you know, is there leverage? And that's what you're always wondering about these players when they quote-unquote hold outs or there's some issues with their contract. You know, who has the advantage, as we're seeing with quarterbacks around the league? Well, quarterbacks have the advantage. I don't know if there are other players outside of that quarterback position that really have a lot of leverage going into a contract year to when you say you're not going to show up during a mandatory minicamp, that all of a sudden the team is going to blink and say, hey, we better do something now, otherwise we're going to have a problem on our hands. Correct. Now, when you look at it, to me it makes both sense. Now, I don't know if he's looking for a two- or three-year deal. This could be his last contract just based on the age. Um, his production's been there now. He only had one sack in five games. He missed 11 games. But the cap number is $20 million. His base salary, I want to say, is either 15 or 15.5. So once he's on the roster in week one, that's guaranteed. Now, in the perfect scenario, 
he gets an extension, whether it's a one-year extension or two, and then you lower that cap number so where you can a- able to extend more guys. I do think Chase Edmonds is an option. I don't know if you do it in training camp. I think they may need to see a little bit more. Um, but obviously they're excited about his future. Max Williams, you kind of play it out like they did with Dan Arnold um, for the most part. But clearly, I mean, it makes sense because the players don't want to have the franchise tag. Okay, the tag's high, and they, they don't get their guaranteed money, and then the team has to carry that for an entire season. So in a win-win situation, yeah, whether he gets an extension now or during the season, you got to look at the future, and you got to make sure how much – is he worth now, considering he'll be 32 in February? Yeah, the age always becomes a factor. And then how many years versus how much. And sometimes it's more the years because then you can spread that signing bonus, if there is, True. over a longer period of time as opposed to all that money up front in one season. And we talk about salary cap. Again, that's kind of out of my uh, realm as far as my area of expertise. It's just it would be good if Chandler Jones is here during these three days of mandatory minicamp. All right, so that's number one on both of our lists. What else do you have that you would like to see or hear during these three days? Well, you got a couple, so you want to go? All right, all right. my number two, and I guess I, I did list them kind of in order, but it's the continuing chemistry between quarterback and pass catchers, and that's Kyler Murray working with DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, Max Williams, Chase Edmonds, James Conner, all of those players, regardless of position, wide receiver, tight end, or running back, working and building on that chemistry with Kyler Murray as he gets into year three, which we are all in agreement is a huge year for him. I like it. I just think, you know, it's going to be hard to, you know, evaluate over the next three days, but, you know, the timing and, and I think once we get to camp, but I, I agree with you. It's just, you know, A.J. Green, besides him going to Dallas, um, he hasn't really caught a ton of passes. Uh, Rondell Moore, just based on him being at the rookie camp, and now they had a, a couple OTAs. We know Christian Kirk. So I think just to kind of get the chemistry down and the timing, because as you mentioned, once uh, this week or the next couple of days end on Thursday, they're going to be off for six weeks. So, yeah, I like to see it because timing is the big thing, and Kyler needs to be more consistent. And he needs to take the next step. And a lot of it's going to be predicated on protection, running the football, but also making throws where maybe he's in a little duress under, under uh, traffic. And look – no one is running full speed, but timing. Where do you like the football? Where do you want me to place the football? And we heard Kingsbury last week discuss that it was about halfway through last year before Murray and Hopkins kind of got on that same page. And Kingsbury said, quotes, he sees a different comfort level between those two now entering season two. Remember, there was no offseason. Yeah, they worked out a little bit in the offseason on their own, but this is different with mandatory minicamp when you're running routes that you expect to run, even though it's not at full speed, but you expect to run during the regular season. And I thought it was important for Hop to be here uh, last week. You know, he's a guy that obviously is under contract. He really didn't need to show up for this. He, he, he If you follow him on social media, he's always working out. He's watching what he's eating. Um, but, it, you know, just a first impression, he was having a nice conversation. You could see with Sean Jefferson, and I think the Cardinals really wanted to go out and get a former player and, and a guy that played the game that had, you know, skins on his wall, and he's won two Super Bowls. But Sean Jefferson is going to be a guy that's going to have to get Hopkins and pop possibly on the practice field. But the fact that he was here tells me a lot 
because it's all about timing. And the fact that Cliff admitted that for the first time, where in week one he was targeted 16 times for 14 catches, and he put up big numbers in that first half. Now you get to a little bit maybe week 12, they started moving around more. But I really like Sean Jefferson. I think all these wide receivers, if you don't benefit from Sean Jefferson, I think that's on you. Yeah, and that's the experience. That's that addition that the team added in the offseason as far as the coaching staff is concerned, a new wide receivers coach that we hope pays dividend because we've seen now over the past several offseasons, Sean Kugler, that addition, what it meant to the offensive line, Brenton Buckner, what that has meant to the defensive line, and now Sean Jefferson, what we hope that means to the wide receivers going forward here in 2021. So that is kind of what I'm looking for now. Again, we're not going to have the ability to report on all the entire time that these players are out on the field. We do get a window for three straight days, but for me, it's Kyler Murray, and you're going to hear it a lot, Bird Gang, but just what he's able to do because if the Cardinals want to be successful, Kyler Murray has to be successful. Yeah, and again, you know, sometimes you can have one-on-one coverage on the outsiders really – they're not putting on pads. All that stuff will take place in training camp, but a lot of times they're just thrown against air. So it'd be nice just to look at a shell defense and see where guys are lining up. But again, that's something I'll be looking for, but more in training camp and in the preseason. All right. So we are each looking at two things that we want to see. Anything else that you're hoping to see again or hear if we have the opportunity to hear from a specific player as far as you know what they anticipate or what they hope 2021 is all about? You know, we look at the offensive line. I think we're from the center to the left side. I think the Cardinals feel very comfortable with DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, and then you throw in uh, Rodney Hudson. Now they did bring in Brian Winters. So then you have Justin Murray there. Where's Josh Jones lining up? So I'm interested because, you know, last year they started rotating guys, and I, I maybe because of injury, and I thought Sweezy started to break down and, and Pugh at times. Um, but you want to find the best eight. So who's the starting right guard? And then. We know that Kelvin Beachin's returning, so you want to make sure you have eight guys going in into the season. But you know you want to settle with the five or six guys if you have to bring somebody else in. So, you know, I'm curious about Winners and Murray, and then where's Josh Jones lining up? And I'll also add Max Garcia, who probably is more of a left guard with the ability also to play some center. Lamont Gilgier, where does he fall in as far as that second group on the offensive line is concerned? I'm also curious as far as how that offensive line lines up specifically with the one question mark, at least, that I think they have, and that is at right guard. The question is, will we get to see that during the open portion of minicamp, or is that something that is held until that 20, 25 minutes, whatever it is, closes, and all of a sudden that can't be reported on. We have to wait until training camp. Yeah, how? who is the right guard, I think, is the one big position, starting position, up for grabs on the offensive side. And I don't think we're really going to know. I mean, they could rotate reps. I mean, you know, maybe one day, you know, Winters is a veteran guy. Does he get a day off in camp? But obviously you're competing. But, um, again, they want competition. It's not like you're going to have three practices and say he's a starter. This is going to this is going to go on to training camp. And, you know, if I – think that Cliff's going to you know, stretch it out until maybe the last preseason game. Um, but we'll get an idea based on play time you know, in practice and, and the preseason games. But you know, this, this is not going to be decided this week. This is going to be decided in August. And it is another thing to consider because I kind of expect it to be Brian Winters, at least on the start and whether that's you know this week or training camp, because there is that familiarity with the guy that he would be lining up with on the right 
tackle, and that's Calvin Beecham. They were teammates for a couple of seasons with the New York Jets, so that's also something to pay attention to because if you're looking to get the most out of that right side, again, individually they don't have to be all pros, but how do this group work together as a unit? And if Winters and Beecham can go back to those seasons in 2017, 2018, and I believe 2019 with the Jets, that all of a sudden maybe some of that chemistry comes back. I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to do. And all of a sudden that right side with Winters and Beecham becomes maybe as solid as the left side with Humphreys and Pugh. Now, another one is, is depth at inside linebacker, but you know we know who's on the roster right now, so who's getting the reps? We know that Collins and Simmons are your starter. They do have you know guys like Tanner Vallejo and Zeke Turner. Kylie Fitz is more of an edge, edge guy. He could set the edge. So, you know, again, Devontae Campbell is still out there. Maybe the Cardinals want to see what they have. Evan Weaver's a guy that they drafted a few years ago. Um, he's more of a special teams player. Maybe we'll get a chance to see him in the preseason. So, I wonder what they think of the depth because after the uh, OTAs, they felt like we needed to add a corner, and that's when they went out and got Denard. So you're always looking. And, again, it's not like you know they're they're set with their starters. Now it's about depth. And you take a look at the last guy at every single position. Is there somebody out there that's better? You look at the number of inside linebackers on the roster, it's eight. And that does include Jordan Hicks, and that's the wild card in all of this. And We'll have to wait and see. That's how why that... I mentioned the depth, and I, I'm talking about a veteran, not young players. Yeah. Well, okay. And then you look at behind those guys. Are you comfortable with a Tanner Vallejo being that guy as a backup or spot starter? Evan Weaver is he able to take that next step? Even though he didn't play at all a year ago, spent the entire season on the practice squad. Two other names to keep an eye on, and those are Jamal Carter and Donald Rutledge, two players that they signed to futures contracts. Carter is an interesting six foot one 215 pounds a safety that is moving to linebacker but he has experience with coach joseph the two were together in denver in 2017 is that uh, a wrinkle that maybe we need to pay attention to because i'll be honest i don't know a lot about carter he's played you know close to 30 games in the league so he does have experience rutledge signed with the Colts as a rookie free agent and then was released during final cuts a year ago. But some names that aren't household names, are they are they okay with that depth? Or to your point, after OTAs, it's all of a sudden, hey, you know what, we, we need to make a move at cornerback. Let's get Darquez Denard. And that was the move that was made late last week. Is another move coming, to your point, MJ, at inside linebacker after mandatory minicamp well you look at carter and rutledge i mean obviously when you're back you got to play on special teams but let's be honest uh, you know between tanner vallejo and zeke turner they excel on special teams so there's a reason why these guys are in there and maybe they're sitting up there saying we feel comfortable because they do have some experience where we again if they go to certain packages we're probably going to see zeke turner he's very athletic we'll see tanner vallejo the reason why those guys were on the field last year because of injuries though Jordan Hicks was hurt, so Isaiah Simmons got a chance to play against the Seahawks. So maybe they feel upstairs that, you know, there's not a huge drop-off. Obviously, you're looking at two young players, but also at the same time, we can sprinkle in and there's other guys on this defense we can move around to help them out. So maybe they feel differently, but I just haven't seen them to where I can say, are they comfortable? Because I just look at the depth, and it's there's a little bit of drop-off. No, nothing against those other guys, but they're more special teams cores. And knock on wood, here's hoping we don't need to see that depth at inside linebacker. Collins and Simmons, three-down linebackers. They never come off the field, or if they are, it's for a snap or two. And that depth 
you need it, you need to be prepared for it, but it doesn't come into play. I'll give you a piggyback on that because I did, not specifically inside linebackers, but I do want to see, and this, or even hear a little bit as well, Zayvon Collins, how vocal is he? I made the comment last week watching OTAs that you could definitely hear Buda Baker's voice coming from the secondary. I need to hear Zayvon Collins' voice because when you're in the middle of that defense, that voice is going to carry to the defensive line and to the back end, especially now with the expectation that we're going to have full stadiums this season. You need to be vocal. I don't need to hear it. or uh, The fans don't need to hear it, but your teammates certainly do need to hear it. So how vocal is Zayvon Collins during these three days? And again, that command of the defense, is he continuing to learn the playbook as we've heard from linebackers coach Bill Davis on the Big Red Rage? And then also, uh, do we get more insight into that from Coach Joseph this week? Perhaps he addresses the media and we can ask some questions about Zayvon Collins. Zayvon Collins, he's got good pipes. I'm more concerned because once you make the call, I'm more concerned about him getting guys lined up. Matter of fact, you know, if they show, let's say they just go 11 wide, it's more just based on personnel. Does he hit J.J. Watt on his hip to move over? Does he move a linebacker on the outside to maybe get on the line of scrimmage? Does he have a corner come up and play press? I mean, he's, he's got to know where every single guy's lined up. So, yes, be vocal in, in the huddle, but you have to be vocal, as you pointed out, with the crowd uh, when you're you know, when, when they're, they're showing motion and they're shifting and, and everything else. That's where you got to be vocal. That's where you and you got to use your hands and you know guys will know if they're tapped on the hip you got to move to that side. So I'm, I'm again I want to hear the when he, when he's barking the the cadence or the the play in the huddle, but I want to see how he gets these guys out. That's the most important thing. And it's going to be a test against this Cardinals offense. And I think this is why we heard Coach Davis say on the Big Red Rage that look going up against what Kingsbury does offensively, it's a great learning tool for Isaiah Collins or Isaiah Simmons. How exotic and how dynamic, how creative is Kingsbury with some motion where guys are lining up to give Collins a different look that he's probably not seen on the pro level. I mean, yeah, she's done it at, at Tulsa on the college level, but it's a lot different because playbooks are a little bit more exotic. They're a little bit more expansive and you're asked to do a whole lot more. So I like what you had to say as far as, you know, you have the play call, everyone's lined up, the offense breaks the huddle and all of a sudden you have to adjust and you have to do it on the fly. And we know in training camp, they're going to run up tempo. I mean, it could, because the Cardinals feel like they can be a track, uh, track team when it comes to obviously being able to push the ball down the field. And we watched the lions in week one and, Cliff and Kyler's first game, those guys were tired in the fourth quarter. So they're going to benefit from that. Considering you're going to Tennessee, a uh, stadium that's outdoors could be a little hot and humid in the month of September. Uh, so it would be interesting how they approach that because I think the Cardinals' defense was conditioned throughout the course of the year based on how the offense was able to go up-tempo in training camp. You got anything else on mandatory minicamp? I've got one more, but I just want to let you, I mean, if you had any other thoughts on these three days. Again, this is this is it, Bird Gang, until the start of training camp. But as I've said, something is better than nothing, and there was nothing in 2020. Yeah, it's more just about wide receiver depth. You know, where's Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella? Is there anybody else we're not talking about? Is JoJo Ward a guy that can maybe – and then corner depth, they bring in Denard, so I, I feel comfortable. What about Marco Wilson and Tay Gowan? And I really like the safeties. I, I, I think they're, you know, obviously you don't want to lose Buda Baker if Jalen Thompson can stay healthy, but I think by drafting and going out and signing Williams 
and getting Wiggins. I, I like where they are at the safety position. So it's just more depth, to me, wide receiver and corner. You brought up one thing that I'm going to be paying attention to, and again, this might fall into the category is, does it happen while we are out there during the open portion? That is the number two corner. Robert Alford, it was good to see him during OTAs. Dark West Denard now added to the mix. Is there going to be some competition there? Who pushes each other? We know they want to keep Byron Murphy in the slot. Does Marco Wilson, Tay Gowan take a step here in minicamp and OTAs to where they go into training camp feeling very good about one, their depth, and then two, maybe one of those young guys does push an Alford or a Denard and becomes a starter. But I'm real curious on how that opposites of Malcolm Butler. Who's that guy? For years it's been who's that guy opposite Patrick Peterson. Well, now it's who's that guy opposite Malcolm Butler. Well, Alford's been in the system for the last couple of years. I, I, I would throw him a bone. I, I know that he, he took a pay cut, and rightfully so. He hasn't been able to stay healthy, and they've been freak injuries. I, The fact that he's been here for two years, and we know that when he's been healthy just in, in the workouts, we've, he's physical. He's not, he don't back down from anybody. So I throw him a bone. Meaning, like it's your job to lose. Now we're going to create competition. I do think when it comes to um, Wilson and Gowan, they may take a step back when you look at a guy like Denard. Well, and then as far as the number of reps, yes. as well, because you brought Denard in for a reason. You want to get him up to speed, and how quickly does he grasp a, de- a defense that he's familiar with? Remember, Coach Joseph, he, his DBs coach back in Cincinnati. So yeah, there is again the depth at corner. I think has been addressed. Now it's okay. Show us on the field that it doesn't need to be addressed anymore. Well, who's your top five? Because we don't know if they're going to keep nine defensive backs. That means five corners, four safeties. Do they keep five safeties because they play much so much nickel and dime defense and four corners? You know, I think Marco, Marco Wilson has a better opportunity to make the active roster than, than Tay Gowan. Curious to see because not all these draft picks are going to make the roster. Yeah, we're always very high on the draft class immediately after the draft. And then all of a sudden you get to training camp and some of these rookies. Numbers. They disappear. They're not getting the reps or things are moving a little bit faster. I mean, Case in point, Evan Weaver didn't make the 53. He spent the year on the practice squad. Eno Benjamin, inactive the entire season. And there are you know, later on picks, but again, they were drafted for a reason, just couldn't quite cut it, at least last season. They'll be given an opportunity here this season, and you hope every draft pick makes it. But the numbers, as you say, it just it, it's not realistic. And along those lines, I mean, these guys are going to they're going to benefit where the last rookie class didn't. They're going to get a chance to play in the preseason. And if they play well enough, we're going to have scouts at the game. You, you, you hate to lose draft picks, but if their guys are drafted in the sixth and seventh round, you know, so be it. But they're going to get a chance to play, especially in that last preseason game. So put something on film for yourself. But I don't think there's a guarantee that all these draft picks are going to make the roster. And you know what? That's a good thing because that means you have better talent ahead of them. You know what happens after the preseason? Week one. The regular season. We'll get into that, but I need to remind the Bird Gang to subscribe to Arizona Cardinals podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and of course this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Cardinals Cover 2 continues presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and that's right, the regular season, week one. 
We've been talking about week one. Once that schedule came out, MJ, September 12th at Tennessee, the storylines, Malcolm Butler facing his former team, the defense against Derrick Henry, who has led the league in rushing the past two seasons. It'd be a great test for two young linebackers in Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. Well, that game just became a whole heck of a lot more interesting because news broke over the weekend that Julio Jones is now a Tennessee Titans. Acquired Sunday from the Falcons for a second-round pick in 2022 and a fourth-round pick in 2023. My first reaction, MJ, good. It's not an NFC West team because Jones had been linked to the Rams, Seahawks, 49ers. DeAndre Hopkins tried to recruit him to the Cardinals, which would have been great. I don't know how feasible or realistic that would have been. First reaction, I'm okay with playing Julio Jones or against Julio Jones once every four years, if you will, as opposed to twice every year. Yeah, I think it, as the, you know, obviously teams start to drop out, and, and I never thought they were going to get our first round pick. You're talking age and then compensation and then guaranteed money, but uh, it looked like Seattle was putting the full court press on, and that would have been a concern for me, considering they already have Tyler Lockett, they already have DK Metcalf. We know Russell Wilson can be Houdini at the time. Yeah, this is going to be a tough matchup. It was going to be a tough matchup whether he went somewhere else. We know that it's all going to be about Derrick Henry, but they have a couple weapons, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones now. And I was looking up some numbers over the weekend. The Titans faced eight-man boxes 23% of the time last year. That tops in the NFL. The, fake, the Falcons faced an eight-man box only 12%. That's 16. So there's going to be a lot of huge uptick on one-on-one -on -one coverage so you're gonna look. For, you got to cover. So these Cardinals cornerbacks uh, are gonna get tested early and often in that game. AJ Brown is a freak. We know Julio Jones has a lot in the tank. They're gonna eat. Now you look at 100 yard receiving games produced in 2020. You look at the um, Calvin Ridley had eight himself. But you look at the Titans. They had 11 games where they had a receiver over 100 yards. So this, it's gonna be a tough matchup. And accuracy on deep throws. When you look at Ryan Tannehill versus Matt Ryan. Accurate percentage deep throws, 20 or plus yards in 2020. Ryan, third of all, 49%. I really. I'm sorry, Tannehill, 49%. Matt Ryan, 18th, only 39%. I really like this deal for the Titans and what it might mean for Derrick Henry. You mentioned the eight man boxes. Well, you can't flood the box if now all of a sudden you've got someone else on the outside. You've got A.J. Brown, and now you add in a Julio Jones. That's going to take some attention away from Derrick Henry. And keep in mind, the Titans lost Corey Davis. They lost Jonu Smith to free agency. Both those players now gone to the Jets and Patriots, respectively. So I love it in that respect. I hate it for now what it means for the Cardinals and the defense and trying to figure out how do you adjust now because you have to focus on Jones and you have to focus on Brown. Oh, and by the way, don't forget about the best running back in the league. But it is just one game out of 17. And again, as I said, it's just this season. It's not year in and year out. I like what Kyle Shanahan had to say when he addressed the media <laughs> on Sunday. If it couldn't be the 49ers, that's fine. Let it be someone in the AFC so we didn't have to deal with them. Amen. I echo that. I echo that. Now, the thing is, though, we know the Cardinals want to play man-to-man -man press. I mean, we'll have months to talk about this. Who are you putting on A.J. Brown? And who are you putting on Julio Jones? Well, I think right now, if I'm lining up, I'm selling Malcolm Butler. Hey, you wanted this matchup against the Titans. You prove it. 
you're on Julio Jones. And then now all of a sudden we get back to our conversation. Who's that number two corner? You've got A.J. Brown, whether that's all for well, Denard. Better, yeah, you better have some safety, uh, over-the-top safety help because Malcolm Butler, he can cover. He's physical at line of scrimmage. But you get a speed guy, you better get some help. And that was always the fun matchup. The Falcons and Cardinals, a couple of former SEC guys, yeah. Julio Jones, Patrick Peterson, and that was always a fun matchup because Peterson was going to get his, Jones was going to get his, and well, there'll be, be it will be number eleven against number twenty-one. Keep in mind, Malcolm Butler does wear number twenty-one, so that at least will remain the same. But I am looking forward to that matchup specifically. And again, are you on Julio Jones? Is it or is? Is Malcolm Butler, you know, getting some help? But you know that one-on-one matchup, I would love to see. Yeah, we know one thing. Uh, Byron Murphy covered Julio Jones a couple years ago. That's not going to happen. Yeah, that was when Alford was hurt, Peterson suspended, and all of a sudden Murphy gets thrown into the fire. And that was again, maybe it becomes the best thing that ever happened to him. But oh, at the sure. time, it was, hey, welcome to the NFL. <laughs> Here's Julio Jones, a future Hall of Famer, and someone that is still one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And getting back to 100 yards uh, receiving games produced, uh, the Cardinals actually were tied with Tampa. And they have a really good wide receiver core now. We know that Brady took eight weeks to kind of figure it out, very similar to Carson Palmer. So, um, again, Calvin really had it all by himself. But at number eight, eight uh, guys at least went over 100 yards with the Buccaneers and Cardinals, Seahawks seven, uh, the Rams five, and then you had some other teams only had a couple. So the Cardinals are in that equation. Now it's a matter of having, you know, not only a hop, but somebody, if, if they can get another receiver to get to 70 or 80 yards, then all of a sudden you're putting more points on the board. We mentioned that matchup against Byron Murphy in 2019. Darren Urban of azcardinals.com blogged about it and mentioned those games (laughs) and in that contest. The Cardinals won, by the way, 34-33, but Jones had eight catches for 108 yards. Again, I'm okay if he gets his, at the end of the day, Cardinals get the win, and it is going to be – very difficult to you know stop a Julio Jones and stop a Derrick Henry and if guy gets over 100 yards receiving 100 yards rushing that's fine individually but at the end of the day as long as you have one more point than the Titans I'm okay with that. It's all that matters. But the thing is you got to eliminate the big plays. You can't allow Derrick Henry to get to the second layer and a four yard game becomes a 60 yard. You can't let Julio Jones get over the top where maybe a 30 yard pass becomes a 60 yard touchdown. So, um, obviously, you want to force turnovers. You can't turn the ball over. Obviously, the run defense is going to be huge. You put them in third and long. Tannehill's done a really good job. Lyle Doggins actually was a one-year play caller with the Falcons, so he's familiar with Julio Jones. I don't think anyone's going to replace Arthur Smith, but it's going to be a fascinating matchup. And, you know, this is the NFL. There's no – any given Sunday, something can happen. And as you mentioned, there'll be plenty of time – during training camp leading into week one to discuss more about how the Cardinals might defend this Titans offense now with Julio Jones. And it's one of those questions, maybe the question of the off. Oh, I take that back. The question of the offseason around the league is Aaron Rodgers and what happens in Green Bay. But number two might have been Julio Jones and his future with the Falcons. That's now been answered. And again, thank you very much that it was a team in the AFC as opposed to the NFC and specifically the NFC West. 
I guess at the end of the day, you just try to slow Derrick Henry down. He's going to get his his yards, and you know we'll see. You know AJ, I'm sorry, Julio is going to be a weapon in the in the red zone now. I mean he's a big target. Uh, you know I thought Arthur Smith did a really good job getting guys in space. They'll run that, you know that bubble screen, the the jet sweep with AJ Brown, very similar to what the Cardinals are going to do in Rondell Moore. And these, you know, I'll tell you who's got their work cut out: Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons. It was already going to be a difficult first test, and it just became exponentially more difficult with this X factor, if you will, to now to figure out. All right, let's. We just we talked about getting guys lined up, making the adjustments, and all of a sudden, as opposed to one wide receiver that you're focused on, you've got two. And I really like AJ Brown, and I think the Titans are have someone that they hope blossoms into something but now all of a sudden you've got one you've got that one two punch much like the Cardinals were looking for and they hope to have found with Hopkins and AJ Green because I do think you need that second wide receiver to really help out an offense and to put that defense on its heels I was looking at a list best receiving duo it could be a tight end and a wide receiver okay so and these are the teams the Cardinals are going to play this year Seahawks Metcalf and Lockett Cleveland Beckham and Landry Dallas, Amari Cooper, and C.D. Lamb, Thielen and Justin Jefferson, and then you throw in Brown and Jones, and they won't face uh, Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or Mike Evans and Godwin. So Cardinals are going to face one of the best, and it could be a tight end, but it looks like a lot of wide receivers, two double wide receivers. So, And then when it comes to Murderer's Row, the running backs they face in the, the entire season, including in week one, where you got to go against Henry. Week two is is Delvin Cook, and at some point you got to go against McCaffrey. So, man, you better bring your hard hat. And that's why when the schedule comes out in May, everything looks great, and then all of a sudden there are moves made post-schedule. And, yeah, again, we always knew that week one contest was going to be difficult, but uh, even more so now. But uh, still looking very much forward to it and, and I hope the Cardinals come ready to play I'll say this they've got this perfect motivation now all offseason all training camp Vince Joseph all he has to do is play Derrick Henry highlights Julio Jones highlights and if that's not motivation enough then there's something wrong with this Cardinals team listen this, this is the NFL and the fact that you're going on the road against an AFC team you know go there and show what you're worth because you come home and you're home open against the Vikings the schedule's not going to get easier I mean yes they're going to look at teams and say maybe they should have won a lot of games but it's the NFL so the, they bit, I, I, I believe they'll be ready for the task, but you're going to have to match the intensity and the physicality of these teams if you want to win on Sundays. And a lot of that work is this week during mandatory minicamp and much more on what happens this week as the week progresses here. And we'll cover it for you here on Cardinals Cover 2. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.